0: Well today we are in the 16th chapter of the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. In the 16th chapter of Deuteronomy, it describes three main feasts that God's people are to keep each year. The first is Passover, the second is Pentecost, and then the third feast of the year is Sukkot. The three feasts marked the passing of time through the year for God's people. And all three feasts acknowledged the presence of a living God who blesses and renews our lives. So I believe that there is something significant for the modern faithful to get in celebrating the feasts. Especially this day, I want to talk about celebrating Sukkot. Sukkot has an unusual guest list that I think is a good discipline for us. It is essentially just a party. That's always good for us. It's outside. And the Old Testament book of Leviticus says that God's people should observe this feast for all time. So, today, as we read Deuteronomy and talk about the instructions for Sukkot in Deuteronomy, I want you to just consider this discussion, Party Preparations. We're in the 16th chapter of Deuteronomy. We're going to read verses 13 through 15. Will you read them with me? You shall keep the festival of booths for seven days when you have gathered in the produce from your threshing floor and your wine press. Rejoice during your festival, you and your sons and your daughters, your male and female slaves, as well as the Levites, the strangers, the orphans, and the widows resident in your towns. Seven days you shall keep the festival to the Lord your God at the place that the Lord will choose. For the Lord your God will bless you in all your harvest and in all the work of your hands and your joy will be complete. So the celebration of Sukkot was an originally an acknowledgement of God's provision for the fall harvest uh, for the what? The produce that came in in the fall, the wine and the olives, uh, the living out of this cel- in the living out of this celebration. The participant is promised blessing. You may have picked that up in verse 15. Where verse 15 says, for the Lord, your God will bless you. The Lord, your God will bless you in participating in this feast in participating in this festival. So I've been thinking the last few weeks about the cyber state, cyberspace landfill that exists under the heading hashtag blessed. Man, there are a lot of pictures and a lot of descriptions of happenings under hashtag blessed. It occurs to me that in most cases we could also put those images under the heading hashtag look at all the good stuff I have. Or look at all the good people I have. I don't want you to hear me standing in judgment this morning. I suppose I probably am, but I want you to know that I'm standing with you. There are, in fact, photos from the Shelley household that sit in that cyberspace dump. But I want you to hear that we misunderstand what it means to be blessed. The biblical understanding of blessing, especially in the light of Sukkot, is this. We don't have a full understanding of blessing unless we are willing to share what we have. So in Sukkot, you bring in the fall harvest and you share it. It is a week of sharing what your crops have produced. You don't lock it up in a storehouse. You don't hoard it. You don't save it. You certainly don't just display God's goodness for other people to admire. It occurs to me that for the most part in our Western uh, Christian world, when we call ourselves blessed and we thank God for his provision, we get about halfway to actually being blessed We see the provision, we see God's goodness, we're aware of it, but we miss that very last step. The last step is important because there is, I believe, a spiritual exchange that happens in sharing. We miss it. I don't have many trees in my backyard. So in my backyard, we create shade with umbrellas. I think we have four, maybe five at last count. They're usually collapsed around our backyard, but we put those umbrellas up when guests come over. God's full blessing is like an umbrella. It opens up and it covers us when we sit with another person, when we sit with a guest. The Sukkot, there are two of them. So instead of saying the sukkah that's in the yard out there, you say the sukkot. Sukkot is the plural word for the tent that sits outside in the churchyard, in Alamo Heights Methodist churchyard. The sukkot that was constructed yesterday is essentially a covering. It is a shaded place for us to dwell in, to go to. And there's no lock on a sukkah. Even if it has a door, there's no lock So, hopefully, we don't go there alone. Others will join us in that covering, and others will um, come to be guests in that sukkah, and God's blessing will be realized. Now, I don't know if you noticed in this scripture passage in Deuteronomy, but there is a guest list. Uh, Maybe you saw it, it's in verse 14. Here are, here's the guest list for Sukkot. It includes you, your sons and your daughters, servants, Levites, foreigners, orphans, and widows. So on the guest list are the most privileged and the least privileged. Those who we know the best and those whom we know the least. It's the strangers. The foreigners, even on that list, the Levites, those are the priests. So apparently, you can't be too strange to be uninvited. Everybody gets to come to Sukkot. The tradition does seem to suggest that the stranger, the better. The stranger, the fuller, the blessing. Did you see that news story this week about the elderly woman in Florida who survived Hurricane Matthew, and she was surprised by an uninvited guest at her door. It was the Domino's pizza delivery guy. Did you see that? From behind the closed door, she said, "Uh, I didn't order a pizza. And the guy said, well, I have a pizza to deliver to your house, and I also have your grandson on my cell phone. He wants to talk to you. So when she put the phone to her ear, she did, in fact, recognize the voice of her grandson who, when he realized that the landline to her house wasn't working because of the hurricane, he called the neighborhood Domino's Pizza and he ordered a pizza and he asked the delivery guy to let him talk to his grandmother to make sure that she was okay. It was, in fact... The stranger who showed up on her doorstep that brought the blessing. Now, I don't know the second part of that story, but I wondered, did she share the pizza with him? Because if she shared the pizza with him, that would be the blessing of Sukkot. That would be enjoying the full blessing that God has for you and inviting the guest in, the stranger in. The rule of St. Benedict was written 15 centuries ago. And in part... Of that rule are these words All guests who present themselves are to be welcomed as Christ. In fact, St. Benedict taught the monks who lived underneath him, who followed him, to look deeper into the eyes of a stranger than you do somebody you know. He's told them, Take a second look, because you don't want to miss out on what God has to offer you in this person. The truth of the matter is we cannot do spirituality alone. It may well be the stranger that has the most to teach us, the most to offer us. So we are instructed to value them, to look twice at them. If you've never seen the movie Ush Pazim, it is worth the subtitles. You can find it on Amazon. I found it on Amazon this week. It's a little over an hour. It's not long. And it is, in fact, about modern-day Jewish couple that celebrates Sukkot in Jerusalem. Ushpazim is the Aramaic word for guests. And it is especially true in this movie that the stranger the guest, the better the blessing Guests are important in a Jewish household. They are important on the Sabbath. They are important when the family celebrates the feasts. In the 12th century, there was a Jewish philosopher named Maimonides who wrote about the importance of feeding the stranger during the feasts. What he said about feeding the stranger during the Jewish feast was that it was important to feed those who are, in fact, embittered souls. He said, if you don't feed the embittered souls among you, you know only the joy of your own belly. But if you do feed the embittered souls among you, then you will know the joy of mitzvah. And that's the joy of God's commands. So when you reach out to those who are not like you, to those who are the strangers among us, you get to experience the true joy of God's commands. Now, there are specific instructions for the dimensions of a sukkah, and those instructions come from the letters that make up the Hebrew word for sukkah. There are three letters in that word. So the first letter in that word can be um, written with two and a half strokes, the second letter with three strokes, The third letter with four strokes. So then the instruction is that if you are building a sukkah outside of your own home, then your sukkah can have two walls, it can have three walls, or it can have four walls. A sukkah can be 20 cubits high, is what the rabbis teach. But this is what's important. This is the kicker. A sukkah can be infinitely wide. There is no specific measurement for the width of the sukkah. It can be infinitely wide so that all the guests can fit. The sukkah should be able to include as many people as possible. In the New Testament, Jesus taught about a great banquet, a great feast. He said that the host of the party sent a servant out to tell those who were invited that everything was ready. But the guests replied with excuses. They said they couldn't make it. So the host told told the servant to go back out into the streets of the town and invite the poor, invite the crippled, the blind and the lame. But there was still more room at the banquet. So the servant was sent back out a third time into the country roads and the country lanes to insist that all people come so that the house would be full, fit in as many people as possible. True joy is, in fact, shared joy. Well, I have wondered this week what I am missing out on by keeping my guest list short. I like a short guest list. The advantage of keeping the guest list small is predictability, it's safety, and it's control. And I really like those three things. But what I'm missing is, I think, so much bigger than what I like. I'm missing two things by keeping my guest list short. The first thing that I believe I'm missing is that that I'm missing out on encounters with the divine, I had this funny conversation with a friend this week, and I guess these conversations happen more and more frequently the older you get. We realized that we both worked at North Star Mall in the year 1990 (laughs) in stores that were probably right across the mall from one another, way before we ever knew each other. So there we were 25 years ago, probably about 20 yards apart from one another. And our paths never crossed because we stayed in the boundaries that our employers set for us. She was inside of the gap, and I was inside Express. <laughs> if God is everywhere, how much am I just missing? Because I only see what is revealed in my own little life and the lives of a few people that surround me. If I'm making the rules And setting the guest list with only the people I'm comfortable with. How can God show me anything new? It's hard. And I believe that this is a question that's worth asking not only about people. But it's worth asking about ideas as well. If you are old enough to throw a dinner party without stress. So I'm going to say you're about 40 or older. (laughs) Then you are old enough. To set a place at your table to entertain a new idea. You can send it home when the celebration's over with, but you might also see in that new idea a new facet of God, a new facet of life that you haven't seen before. The other thing that I'm pretty sure I'm missing out on with my short list is I'm missing out on joy. This passage in Deuteronomy is very direct in telling me that the festival of Sukkot is primarily about joy. And it's evident to me that there is more joy in my everyday life than I take advantage of. Brene Brown teaches that joy is a most difficult emotion for adults to experience because we lose our willingness to be vulnerable. I think this happens slowly as we age. When we are children, we greet new opportunities with great delight. But as adults, we do associate, many of us, we associate joy with vulnerability. And vulnerability, we associate with disaster right around the corner. Brene Brown says that 80% of us, so it's not everybody in the room, but it's about 8 in 10 of us, Do something that she calls foreboding joy, which means when we come across this emotion of joy, we see that as equivalent to a setup. (laughs) We notice that things are going well, and we think, well, this can't continue forever. Things are going to start to go bad south. This can't, south soon. This can't last. So Brene Brown says that in order to come against that experience of foreboding joy, there are three things that we can do. The first thing that we can do is just gratitude. So acknowledge when you're grateful and what you're grateful for. Write it down in a journal or speak it out loud to a friend. The second thing that we can do is to recognize joy in ordinary moments. Things like, um, should I say, dinner is prepared on the lawn out here at the church this week. (laughs) That'll be a moment of joy for me in my house. And the third thing that she says we should do is that when you feel joy, when you come across that experience of joy, instead of stepping away from it, she says lean into it. Lean into joy. Even if your brain says, "Uh uh-oh. Jesus goes... To great lengths in the 16th chapter of the Gospel of John to tell his disciples, You may have pain now in this world, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. Your joy will be complete. Any experience that we have of joy now is a sign, it's a preview. Of what is to come. It's simply training for the completed joy that is promised to us. So if you're thinking, which you might still be thinking this. Do I have to do this Jewish thing? (laughs) Well, I want you to hear this. No, you don't have to do this Jewish thing. You can, of course, still be a good Christian and not observe Sukkot. Our celebration of Sukkot is not about living a life that is right or a life that is correct, but it is instead about embracing a life that is full. Sukkot is just an opportunity for us to live more fully. About 10 years ago in the Few days that came up to Christmas at our house, we kept the blinds on the back side of our house drawn because Keith was in the backyard with a couple of friends making a playscape. And so on Christmas morning, that was the big present. And the big reveal was to open up the blinds and open the back door and let the girls run out to the playscape and enjoy what their father had built. So that's the way that I want you to see the Sukkot. That are built out in the yard of our church. That's an adult playscape that's been built for you. It's for you to enjoy. It's for you to celebrate. Sukkot is a week that's set set aside for time with other people and remembering the importance of freedom. It's not about right or wrong belief. But it is instead about meeting a need that we have in our lives to connect with other people a need that we have in our lives to be outside and enjoy God's good creation, and a need that we have in our lives to remember the spiritual importance of freedom. When Jewish children ask the adults in their household, why are we building this sukkah? The response is to tell them the story of the exodus of God's people to freedom. When God set his people free and they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, they set up tents. They set up temporary shelters. They set up sukkahs. The sukkah is our shelter on the path to freedom. John's gospel opens with these words when John is describing who Jesus is. John says this, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Another way to translate those words from the Greek is to say the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. The word became flesh and became a sukkah for us. Jesus is the tent, the tabernacle, where Jesus is, God is. When we sit in the sukkah as followers of Christ, we are to be especially mindful of the clear image of freedom that we were given in God's life, in Jesus' life, in his death, and in his resurrection. Would you pray with me? Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has kept us in life and has preserved us, And enabled us to reach this season. We remember you, Lord, as a God of celebration. And you know us to be a freedom-loving people. As we connect with one another and with you this week, would you grant us each an extra degree of flexibility in our lives? Would you grant us each an extra degree of joy? Stretch us, grow us, and strengthen us that we may fully appreciate this promised land. Amen.